I'm Josh Boaz. I'm Matt Zucker. There are a lot of podcasts featuring top executives. But what about the next wave of leadership? The makers and the doers. The ones we're all going to work for. We wanted to meet them. Find out their story, how they got to where they are, and what they see coming for everyone. This is a spotlight on those on the way up. This is Rising. Today, we're talking with Jason Anello. Jason is the VP of Brand Experience and Design at Booster Fuels, a mobile fueling company. Jason has straddled the design and marketing fence throughout his career. I actually know him from his early days as a creative at Ogilvy and Digitas, and Josh apparently knows him independently from a supper club that I was not invited to. But more recently, it's Silicon Valley and restaurant marketing. Before the move to Booster, he was the CMO of Orify Brands, where he defined the brand experience for restaurant brands like The Melt Shop, Little Beat, and Fields Good Chicken. Before that, he co-founded the agency Manifold. And at Yahoo, he was running the global non-traditional marketing team, which took him around the world to build, to build physical manifestations of Yahoo's digital products. So excited to see you again and have you here, Jason. Thank Welcome. You. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Great to be here. It's good to have you. And it's nice seeing you again. I, the last time I think we, we hung out was uh, on your rooftop in Greenpoint. Here. Yes. Well, many years ago, it was, it was a... Before we uh, clicked on with this, it was it was a big reminisce fest in here. <laughs> yeah. So, Jason, can you start off by just telling us a little bit about your career? Maybe the, the, you know what brought you, yeah, you know, uh, to your current current position. Yeah, I, I I I tend to think that I have a sort of a non traditional path because I straddled the world of marketing and the world of creative at the same time. So right. I started my very very first official job was at a company called Mazina Brown back in the days where general advertising agencies were just general advertising agencies. And I worked on Joe Camel cigarettes, crazy, um, short term thing. You know, you, you had no effect on, on that as a junior art director, but I came up sort of in that design and art director world, eventually, um, starting the, the interactive advertising team at Digitas. So in between that Joe Camel world and the the Digitas world. I did some direct mail. I did some things that informed the birth of the internet at the moment of like, you know, what, what is, what can we do on this new channel? And direct mail was actually one of those really interesting things that I did in my career that said, Hey, you can put out a whole bunch of things and you can track that. And then you can make informed decisions on the next bit of creative. Uh, and obviously the internet is literally that. So um, that that Digitas role was a really interesting and, and sort of important role in shaping the digital side of my life. And then I went to Yahoo after that, so literally flew across the country, <laughs> um, but went in-house. So I sort of left the creative direction side of things and went into the marketing side of my history, but for an internet behemoth at the time. And in the middle of Silicon Valley. But again, that sort of measurement of things married with the role that I had as, as a creative uh, was, was a poignant sort of uh, combination throughout my whole career. I had two stints at Yahoo, though. So I left Yahoo, then I went back to the agency world at Ogilvy, where I, uh, where I met Matt. Um, and then I went back to Yahoo in that non-traditional marketing team, which that role really was about creating something physical that because Yahoo was inherently digital, connecting it to the, to the digital product. Right. And so I would do things like, um, 
go to Vietnam and understand how people use the internet in Vietnam and then create internet cafes because that's how they use the internet and, and, and then work with the product team to build Yahoo Messenger, for example, to be culturally relevant to the Vietnamese. I remember this is really innovative work. And it was, it was like, I was, you know, just they're like, go to Vietnam. And it, was, it wasn't was such a, um, uh, it wasn't very structured in the sense of this is what you're going to go do there. So I had the ability also to figure out how to best do that, which was another like important role or important part of that role in that I was able to marry what I call my accidental behavioral science degree with you know the marketing and the creative sides of my world. After that, I uh, I left Yahoo to start a agency called Manifold, which was in essence more of the same, where digital and physical meet. Um, and I did that with my team at Yahoo. And then after that, I went into the restaurant world, and that's really where I sort of honed this idea of hospitality forward marketing, which is how I like to think about everything that I do because it's it's very much experience based. And now that the physical and digital world are the same and they're one big ecosystem, th- that makes a lot of sense to be able to think about both sides or what we used to think of as both sides now as one holistic project campaign or, or whatnot. The transition from Yahoo to Manifold and then I get what about the one into the food business? Was that hard? Was that like a weird tangent or was that a natural thing? No, it, w- it, was, it was a very uh, specific thing and that's what I wanted to do. I said, I'm going to go into the food business. I said it officially, which what that means is as I was in the Yahoo days and in the Manifold days, I started this moonlighting project uh, called Forking Tasty, which... It was a blog at first because I was sort of traveling around the world with Yahoo and I was I would always meet somebody someplace and have them cook me a meal someplace. It could be your favorite restaurant or it could be your house, whatever. And so I started this this supper club experience, which ultimately became a little bit of a experiment in how to get get 20 people together, feed them, and then sort of watch what happens. And I'm very excited to say that not one we did we did probably close to a hundred of those over over five or six years, and not one time did I have up people who were upset with each other or like didn't get along and it was quite amazing and so it informed a lot of what I would do from from a professional perspective so you and, took and, like a passion and a hobby and turned it into like a alert a lab exactly wow I, I thought maybe in my mind that it was going to be a business but the business is actually opening up a restaurant, as it turns out, as I ran the business models on this, um, which makes a lot of sense. But to your earlier point, the transition was it was very specific. I had said, all right, I have this world and this experiment that I did with this supper club, and I've always thought that there's something about food and eating with somebody that's unique, and it creates a um, a relationship that's unlike most other things uh, in that when you eat with someone, you're using another set of senses that you don't always use, right? Like there's taste and smell involved that it's different than when you, uh, when you buy sneakers, let's say, right? Like that's so, so to, to go into food and to really do it in earnest, I guess I would say not, it'd be like a moonlighting thing, but it'd be me being the CMO of five different restaurants 
uh, gave me the ability to really sort of dig into what that sort of what I call cultural moment of eating together means and do it on a daily basis. And I, so I, I attended, I think, maybe two of your supper clubs over the years. And I got to just say, in the probably 20 years I've been in New York, it, was, it stands out once one of the more memorable culinary experiences I've had. So I think you definitely had a, had a knack for it. So That's awesome. That makes me feel great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Did, um, other than leading to uh, maybe starting a restaurant, did you see any other business benefits from, from doing that kind of that side hustle, like, you know? At, at the at the level you were working on it, yeah, it it um, as I was sort of honing my experiential digital, like I guess theory, um, it was it was just before social media became huge, so I started to see the the picture taking at the table and things like that, but but it wasn't it wasn't quite there yet, mm-hmm. but it was great for all sorts of things like that, um, the way I was able to create different creative components on the table and what people did with those, how they, how they, you know, told other people about that and just sort of seeing the flow of like, what were the peaks and valleys of the experience? How'd you get the job at, at Orify? Cause I, I was looking up where creatives go um, for an article I was writing and I, and I saw you like you're the head of marketing at this like restaurant company. And I'm like, how'd you do that? Like, so how did, how did you Get into Orify. Like I said before, it was it, me getting into food specifically was, it was a very laser focused goal. Orify called me out of the blue. So I had conversations going on with Blue Apron, conversations going on with a couple other fast casual uh, brands, all which I had connections with. And, uh, out of the blue, apparently, if you Google or sorry, if you LinkedIn food and marketing, my name comes up. Uh, this is what the recruiter had told me, <laughs> and and so she's like, "Hi, you know, there's these brands that we have. We're starting a marketing team. We would like you to do that for us." And that was the first call. And then as I went in, I, I had I I didn't know what Orify was. Uh, but then when I looked up their this brands, is a powerful listen to our listeners about the power of search, right, yeah. Josh? Power representing yourself yeah. online. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I should have thought of that. We're in a digital media firm. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, right, right. Um, I knew all the brands, but I didn't know the parent brand, which is sort of interesting. And then so sitting with them, quickly I realized this this would be a fantastic opportunity. The company is fantastic. They're they're old but but startupy at the same time. All their brands are really young, and then they had this platform, which was Orify, that sort of sat on top of that. But and now you, in your current position, you've you've left the the restaurant or the hospitality industry. Yes, but I don't like to say it like that because I like to think of my current role being as much in the hospitality industry as restaurants, in the sense that currently I I work at Booster Fuels and Booster Fuels. I'm, I'm seven days in as at the recording of this, so oh, so congratulations. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking directly into the fire hose, yeah. uh, and it's fabulous, but. Um, what, what it is, is it's, 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 uh, direct, I call it direct to consumer energy to your, to your vehicle. Um, but if you think about that, there's, there's a hospitality element to that, right? You have to park your car, pin, pin where your car is, pop your gas, uh, tank open and someone's going to come and fill that up and not spill gas on your car and close your tank and check your tire pressure and, and do all these other things. It, it makes me think back to 
what gas stations were like in the 50s and the 40s and sort mm. of that like nostalgic look at what you pulled into a gas station was. Or I think about that back to the future scene, right? Um, the, four guys came out and did a whole bunch of things to your car. And like, that's hospitality. So I think that this, this idea of being in hospitality, at least for me, is maybe more, that's why I call it hospitality forward. And that I can bring that into this role very much the same as I did it in restaurants. So what are the skills that you've, you've built? Because these jobs are very different. Yeah. Um, so do you find like you've got a certain set of skills you've been building that you're pretty good at and that's what you've been able to do these disparate jobs, even if it has a hospitality mentality? The skill set that I've acquired has been, as you pointed out, very diverse. And so I, I, there isn't something that I can like wrap my hands around and say like, oh, well, this may, allowed me to do this. It allowed me to do this. allowed me to do that. But what collectively it's turned into is the 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 laser focus on experience and it's a very buzzy word right now everybody loves experiences i think that's great we've had that many many times in marketing right everybody everybody finds up we find a buzzword and everybody talks about it but when you really think about the essence of experience it is how you as a human did this thing in this physical place or now in this digital place. And so that consistent thread and this idea of how somebody experiences all the different touch points, whether it's with a brand or more so in their life, right? How are you augmenting that experience or making that experience the best it can be? And I think back to the supper club example, you know, the things that I would do with that supper club were not scalable, which is another reason why that didn't become a business. But Everybody talked about how the menu was inside of the cup and for Jaws, the movie that we played and we paired the food with that, there was a little fin that was stuck on the, and the menu was under it. Was, but these, these little micro hospitality moments cool. that that is the collective thread through my, all, my whole career that I've been sort of honing and it's, that's allowed me to, to be what I would call as successful as I've been. How do you kind of continue to build that skill? Is there anything formally you do? I know we always ask uh, our guests, like, should you go to school or, you know, or is this something you just learn on the job or, you know, what, any advice for our listeners? For me, it's a lot of off the job. Uh, I, I take a lot of time to not be connected to the, the, the current job or, or the job. I love to, to jump industries. I love to look at different places for things that aren't like in the in the daily grind of what you talk about in the office restaurants is a great example i i had this whole like talk that i would do in, inside of orify where i'd say you know this has all happened before because mm -hmm. right now restaurants uh are fragmenting in two directions one they're becoming much more entertainment focused and the other they're becoming way more tactical like i'm just going to order it from my phone and it better come and it better be right and if it's not here soon i'm going to be upset about that um, and there's a giant chasm in between those two things. But I look and I would say, well, Seamless and Grubhub and that way that we're doing, it's, it's, it's hurting the restaurant industry. There's a whole other topic, right? But eventually someone's going to create the kayak of that, right? Because kayak has a different economic model, which is much better for the restaurants. Uh, at the same time, um, e-commerce is something that, that's been developing for the last 25 years. And so when we think about opening restaurants, we think about the four walls, the box, right? 
But when you open up your digital storefront, that's another restaurant. And e-commerce has figured out how to... So our website for a restaurant needs to work exactly like an e-commerce site mm-hmm. with all the digital connections to all of those things, like the, the search and the organic and the, everything. But it's hard for restaurants to, to, to do that and go to that place. So um, I, I love to draw on different places. Mm-hmm different industries and bring it into my work but then i also just like to like go in the go to the mountains or take an extended amount of time away from work Mm. Uh, i think those things have helped me creatively um more than anything in terms of like a like marketing strategy and stuff like that on the creative side of my brain just that ability to be sort of free thinking and not be looking at a screen or you know a a, a meeting room has been good so to be clear you didn't go to business school I did not. I, I say I have two MBAs. The the one MBA was when I started a company, Manifold, and just just what being an entrepreneur is and knowing like, oh, I'm the creative director of this company I co-founded. Great. And then be like, okay, we got to pay everybody. And <laughs> so I, 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 I'm a big proponent of like, if you want an MBA, I, I, great, but these alternate MBAs could be just as phenomenal. My second MBA, I... I think is orified because at a, at a CMO level at that particular company, the way it was structured, I had insight into everything from the financing of, of how we built more restaurants to the operations to the, and, and so I, I really sort of touched all of the NBA topics through my, my daily interactions. And that was, cool. that was yeah. phenomenal. I love the point about the off the job training. I think that's something that, like we all, when you're focused in the industry, it's like you think, oh, just let's keep focusing on the industry, but then you kind of get pigeonholed, right? And just uh, and the kind of group think. And I actually read an article recently where they, they were recommending for business leaders, especially at bigger companies, to, to read sci- science fiction because that like lets them open up their minds to like different types of possibilities and mm-hmm. you know to expand past the just what everyone else is doing. I, w- I was just talking to somebody about that last night. I said I used to be a nonfiction junkie everything from documentaries to biographies to and then i realized that i have no fantasy in my life right like and and exactly that i I made a point to start watching just pure fiction films because i just i like film better than than novels but uh it really does help you to to sort of think differently about things what kind of advice would you give people coming on their way up about either the industries they pick or how to think ahead or different, how to make a move or not. I don't like the climb the ladder thing. So, so my advice is always when you're making a step, don't think it always has to be up. It could be, it could be laterally. And, and I think that that's a, a tougher thing. It seems like a tougher thing even nowadays than, than sort of when I was coming up through it. Because there's, there's every headline is about a 29 year old billionaire entrepreneur or the next unicorn, or, and it seems like God, the, the ladder is so tall. I gotta just keep making steps. And what you lose in that is you lose having fun and enjoying what you do. Which I also am not a fan of the whole like follow your passion thing. I like the like how do you marry your passion by adding value to the professional world that you're going into, right? So your value and your passion or your value add and your passion might be different things. Um, so, so, so I like to 
to, to say, think about what makes you happy, how you can add value, and it isn't necessarily up. It could be sideways. It could be down. I mean, if you look at, if you look at what I just did, I went from being the CMO of five restaurant of a five restaurant hospitality company to being the vice president of brand experience. But I did that. I don't look at it as a step down or I look at it as like, that was the next step for me because in the CMO world, I had to deal with everything that encompassed marketing. And that's, that's not where I add the most value, although I thoroughly enjoyed it and I learned a ton from that. Now I'm, I'm able to focus in on this brand experience and design part of this rocket ship. Uh, and, and, and that is, is just my natural, what I felt was my nat- That's natural next So it's step. not just not going up. It's, you don't always have to go broader and broader and broader. You could go more focused and focused. Yeah. And, and, and you look, if you look at my history, I've gone up and down, up and down across that whole thing from, you know, creative director. That's, that's, you know, clearly in one camp to marketing director that had a creative slant, like that expanded out a bit more. And so I, I, I do think that we're trained to have this very sort of linear and progressive career that, that doesn't let us really think about where, where do we really want to go? What do we really want to do? What is this role really about? Is there anything about? you did that you would do differently? I've been known to say that I have no regrets. Like I'm, a, I'm a guy who doesn't do regrets. Um, say no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let's say someone. Say no one's listening. I, I think that I've, I've said that so many times inside my brain that I don't even have an answer to, yeah. to like what I would do differently. But I think that the things that I would do differently are maybe smaller things, um, like run meetings a little tighter or push for a, a specific answer to a particular problem sooner. Th- little things like that. Uh, manage my email differently, which may seem like insignificant and not quite the, the career answer. But again, I think those smaller things add up to a larger thing in, in how you sort of be the best you you can be in your professional world. I just want to go back to your point about like, your value add in your career and in your passions. Like you said, it's okay that it, they don't, you know, they're different, right? But should people, especially say starting out in the career, aspire for them to kind of intersect or have from your career, have you found it's okay that it's, you know, you have your value add in your career and your passions on the side? Like what's, you know, how should, how should young people think about that kind of that difference? I, I, I think they should not worry so much about whether their passions and their value add intersect not at all because if they don't intersect you're probably not going to be happy doing what you're doing but i think that's the crux of it right like you're trying so hard to be like i am am the thing i love i do every single day that that actually gets a little difficult because then what you do every single day is your end-all be-all there is no other side it's like i say uh when you're in you have different relationships in your life right and if the person that you're, let's just say, romantically dating is, is like your everything. I, I'm always like, ah, that's a little weird because <laughs> if you make them your everything, they're going to fail at that, right? And then you're going to be like, well, you, you, this and, and those kinds of relationships, there's an argument and there's all those things. And so similarly with, with your job, like 
if you sort of spread it out across relationships, I did a supper club. I did that because I loved food and I wanted to serve people. I didn't want to run a restaurant. I would have opened a restaurant if that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know that at the time, but I did that because I wanted to scratch that itch of that passion that I had, but I didn't make it a, a, I didn't make it an entrepreneurial uh, venture. I didn't, um, you know, go and, and, and build a restaurant to, to do that. Uh, I obviously later went into restaurants, but that was the progression. And I think that comes back to your point in that if you do these things and you're not worried about them overlapping per se, then they may in the future, you may have that opportunity. Like, or if I was that opportunity to take supper club and marketing world and marry them together perfectly. But, but I didn't necessarily see that coming three steps back. I think the lesson of scratching the itch though is a way to unlock that. I think if you're if you're if you're if you have an itch to do something, there's probably a reason why. And if you you should try it, because then you might find that intersection. You might stumble across it. For it's, sure. It's your body telling you. For sure. And we live in a world where you you can scratch itches so easily. Low cost, low time investment. Like you start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. You could start a podcast. Crazy. <laughs> a couple of microphones and you're off. There's more to it than that. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> Did you manage a lot of people in any of these roles? Oh, I think managing a lot of people is like 40 people, which I've, which I've never gotten to 40 people. The biggest I've managed was 12. Um, but I think maybe the thing I would say about managing and building teams. So, so at this point in my career, I've built six teams, six, like full marketing teams or creative teams. Um, and yeah, you know, it's one of the things actually I really love to do because I think that typically when people hire, forget about building a team, but hire, they look at uh, their history, and that holds seventy to eighty percent of the weight on whether or not that person's qualified to do the thing. Now, this might be me talking out of the other side of my mouth, but if that person is passionate about the role. When I meet them, that to me is worth 60 to 70% of who they are, right? If they're, if they're going to dig in and they really want to learn, especially in like my world, like the thing that I do, it's, it's not, it's not open heart surgery. Like you, you don't, I can teach you how to do that thing if you've got the excitement for it. So in building teams and in hiring people, I, I really look not just for, have you done this before or something like this? But why do you want to do this now? And why are you excited about this particular opportunity? Um, because, you know, growing into a role, I think, is actually better than being like, I did this at my last company and bringing all of that over and just trying to do that same thing the same way. It, it, it doesn't work like that, right? Like, I think that's, a, that's a, um, a misstep as somebody just tries to slide into a new role and, and act like they act acted in their last role because everything's different. The culture's different. I think that would the, encourage people to try new things if they could bring that. Absolutely. So at, at, so at one point you, you started your own agency. Was, did you always want to start a company or did that just, you know, was that just kind of natural progression at that point in your career? I, I didn't really always want to start a company, but I had started a bunch of companies, small companies, like a card, a card uh, company when I was like a little nine-year-old, you know, just drawing and knocking on neighbor's doors. So I had this entrepreneurial piece to me. And I think that the entrepreneur uh, definition now, of like doing that inside of a company has been a lot, 
of me, like instead of doing my own company. But in this particular instance, my team at Yahoo came to me and said, hey, we're thinking about this thing. And really it was, if I was ever going to start a company, I would start it with these four people at, in this moment. And so it was very opportunistic for me to do that. Um, it turned out that it was a, a great move in, its, in the sense of what I said before in terms of MBA, um, learning the, a business and learning how to go from the five of us to a 25-person agency uh, across a dynamic range of clients uh, from, from uh, Lyft to, to um, AOL. Um, you know, interesting about this, and Josh, don't take this the wrong way, but uh, I, I, never, I never really wanted to start an agency. I never liked the relationship that an agency has with a client. Um, as I always wanted it to be as, as everybody in the agency world does, I think more on par, um, and you had really good clients and that was great. And so in, in the manifold world, it was, there were, there were great clients that we had to be had that seemingly on par relationship with, but by and large, a lot of them were not listening to the experts that they hired to do the thing. Um, and, and that was ultimately challenging for me, which, which, is, which is what sort of pushed me into the place of going back in-house. So how long did you have the agency for? Uh, I was with the agency for five years, uh, and, and they're still killing it today. I mean, they've, they've done some outrageous stuff that I, I loved, so I'm, I'm happy to see that you know, they're— and I knew that they would continue on to keep doing the thing that we were doing. Now it's time for thank you notes where we ask our guests to thank someone from their career past who maybe opened a door, gave them advice that still sticks with them today. Jason, who are you going to thank? This this was a tough one for me because there's a lot of people in my career that I could thank. Um, I'm going to thank a woman named Bicky Berry. Bicky Berry, at the time in which she helped me in my career, she was the um, hiring manager for Digitas San Francisco. And Digitas San Francisco had a client in Yahoo. And there was a role, role in Yahoo for creative director open. And she was the one who made that connection. Vicky has gone on to do that for Apple and now does it for Airbnb. And so has, has, she's been a real champion of people, of helping people get to where they need to go. And she was one of those uh, uh, recruiters or, or where... She, was, she, she wouldn't look at you as like, can you fill this job for me? She was like, what do you want to do, right? Maybe that's where I got a little bit of that, what I was saying before from that. But like, what do you want to do? Meant like, oh, let me open the door over here for you for Yahoo. And, and that sort of changed the trajectory of my career by allowing me to go not only in-house, but into Silicon Valley and into an internet machine. Amazing. That's great. Thank story. you, Vicky. Thank you. Now it's time for top picks. And this is where we share... A book, a movie, an app, any kind of life hack, something that would be interesting for, uh, for our listeners. Uh, Jason, you want to uh, tee us up? Sure. Uh, I've, got, I've got two. Uh, so I'm, I'm super, super interested in conversational commerce or, or the way that we can buy things in different places, whether you're buying something on Instagram or in, in, in Facebook Messenger or whatever. So Eddie Travels or Luke Finds a Home are two messenger facebook messenger bots that one finds you an apartment and the other one helps you book travel and the fact that they work in 
normal, um, everyday language, but then have a robust, like, here are the flights that you could possibly take both GUI and, and like backend. And then I can click on it and actually buy a flight. I just, I just feel like everything is moving in this place of like, we speak to things now and we, we, we slack and we text and we, so the, the idea that they're e-commerce machines, but I think I'm talking to Luke or Eddie. That's cool. I love. You had a second one or those are the two? Uh, no, I have a second one. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my second one is, uh, it's a, it's a double. This is great. Um, so it's, it's, it's a podcast, uh, called brave new work, which just started. I think it's only the second episode out. So it's the double part of that is that's also a book. Uh, written by uh, an older friend of mine, Aaron Dignan, who just really understands how a modern organization should work. So the book is great, but the podcast is sort of like the companion to that, uh, which gets a little bit deeper into the, the ins and outs of like how old orgs used to be and how this brave new world of work should be now. Interesting. Matt? My suggestion is a useless temporary ephemeral app called the Countdown Clock. And as most people know, who know, I'm going on a work sabbatical for a couple of weeks. And um, so what I did is I just set up a free, you know, it's like a free app. It's both a website and, and, a, and a local app with my countdown to my sabbatical and a little plane. And whenever I'm a little down, it, it cheers me up. So I encourage you all to, oh. hey, you could check my sabbatical clock or you can just create your own. And when you go on sabbatical, you have a, another clock, like countdown till. Oh, countdown to coming back? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so mine's uh, mine's not that serious this time. I can't keep up with all the the book suggestions. Um, so this is actually, I would, I think, maybe a little controversial. It's the Mandalorian. So I think some people either love it or they hate it. And I'm a big Star Wars fan, but I started watching it and I was like, oh, this is so cheesy. But then, then I, I kind of like. You have to almost like sit back and accept it for being like a Star Wars Disney franchise and just let the storytelling like get into you. And and it's actually it's entertaining. And I think it's like we have so many choices on Netflix. And I don't know about you guys, like I'll go on Netflix and spend a half an hour looking and be like, I don't want to watch anything. You know, these are too serious or too involved. And like and Lauren just like just the right right amount of entertainment. But and they're releasing one at a time, right? They're not doing. Yeah, the there is. Yeah, it's, it's every every week, or every two. Weeks. It's, it's just kind of like the right dosage of fantasy. To our earlier point. Nice. Thanks, Jason, for coming on Rising. It's so good to see you again. Good luck in the new gig. And where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Janello or the food side of me on Instagram at Forking Tasty, F-O-R-K-I-N-G. But the whole my whole world is at hellojanello.com. So you can go there too. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Our theme music was created for us by Movers and Shakers, a really cool creative studio who use original music and dance to bring brands to life. It's such a fresh approach to telling a brand story, and their work really engages emotionally with consumers. In fact, they recently won a Webby. You can watch their videos for Match.com, Little Tykes, and others on their website, MoversShakers.co.